Ben, we came into this weekend with high expectations. Um, there was a lot of postseason implications on the line. We knew a lot of firepower was going to be involved. And man, I can now not wait until that second week of March. Um, I am, of course, talking about James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I'm so happy to get Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia. Everything is now looking rosy. And, uh, oh, by the way, people ran really fast as well. But the bigger news is James Harden is a 76er, and we might as well just win the, uh, the, the title already. So Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if vibes could win you an uh, uh, NBA title, I think the Sixers have it right now. Like I, I the, think the, they have it. The picture of Harden at practice, he looks like a, like a new man. He looks so happy. It's amazing how that hamstring is suddenly just, yeah. just fixed. Like, totally cool with that. Daryl Morey, by the way, should just let an NCAA team go into the transfer portal, and he just works his magic, and, and yeah. we'll just see what happens there. Did you that, know where awesome. I was going with that intro? No, but I, I was wanting to talk about that, so I'm glad you let <laughs> off with it. Um, I didn't have to try to sneak it in somehow. Um, but yeah, like Garrett said, there was so much like just action this weekend that I feel like the Harden trade happened a long time ago because we just saw result after result after result. Um, and we we were talking earlier that this podcast might be one of our longest just like we knew on Sunday that it was just going like there was so many things it completely redefined our expectations and what times mean for the NCAA picture I mean we had seen a little bit of that but we just did our over or under podcast last week and then <laughs> we get to this weekend and we're like well all right we were our lines were way too high and, and like that's nuts it because we were they were already super low that's that's just, I, like, I don't, like, what am I supposed to say? I mean, our, I mean, it is wild. It's one thing if one season resets your expectations, and this season certainly has, but for one weekend alone to reset your expectations, two days really, to completely reset what it means to be a good runner in the NCAA is the most mind boggling thought process I, I like I, I don't I, I can't fathom how incredible this past weekend was it was it was exhausting looking at tifers and scrolling down the list and realizing there are 75 men who have run under four minutes this year 75 S- 75 men if you split that in half you're still getting like some of the all-time greatest highs that we've ever had for sub fours and it's just it's well, you you, th- you think about it if we were doing this for outdoors like for qualifying for regionals you split that you split that in half we're we're nearly like we're three quarters of the way to regional fields of 48 like on each side and you need yeah. a sub four which is which is crazy like I, I mean maybe we should do something before outdoor season and try to predict the re- uh, regional qualifying times because it's it's gonna be nuts outdoors as well like 1340 on the men's side yeah. that i mean that might be a regional cutoff time okay maybe not 13 oh, well, yeah, no, like, maybe though <laughs> yeah 13 like high 1340s i could see like a 1349 like not making it or 1350 not making it which would be just the wildest thing to ever yeah but yeah we'll see we'll see i don't know if i don't know if we're there that there yet but like 
Man, what what a what a year, what a season. Um, we've got some ratings and reviews. We got one new rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Shout out to y'all. Um, keep leading those ratings and reviews, comments as well. Uh, Spotify, what are we at? Sixteen? I think we went 16? up one or two. Went yeah. Up one? So good progress. We'll take it. Thank you for doing that. Leave a five star rating and review on Spotify as well. Ben, um, I mean like, wait, where do you even want to start? Like, where do you even want to start? So, so I want to start with a question for you. Okay. And, and this will kind of be at how we lead off, I think, as we go event by event um, through the results. After this weekend, this, how hard is it for you to evaluate NCAAs? This, I mean, this has to be the hardest NCAA championship for you to evaluate ever i i mean after these performances after the times have dropped so significantly is is this the hardest for you to predict in terms of who's going to be title favorites and everything yeah i still think there are title favorites don't get me wrong like i still think nagoose mm-hmm. if fresh is the mile favorite and then if fresh he's a 3k favorite but you know he's going to do some kind of double at least a double whether that's the mile 3K double, or whether that's the mile DMR double, or whether that's the mile or the DMR 3K double. You know, like then it begins to be like, well, like, and then what is what is Beatles comb run, right? And then it's it you begin to get into these ticky tag games of like, what do people double? What do they not double? Women like, is it crazy to think that between the men's and women's races that Shafiqwa Maloney might be the most overwhelming? title favorite in any of the distance events like that's that's and like i'm not even convinced that she's gonna win it yeah i mean because the 800s kind of nuts like I, I mean like if she was that far out in uh, in terms of her seed time in any other event you would probably say absolutely but like 800 who who the heck knows yeah i i've never seen anything like it's definitely going to be the hardest i still think the traditional favorites are the favorites i still think Nagus has a very good chance rather than not of winning a title. I still think Wayman um, can certainly win a title, especially in the 5K. Um, you know, Shafiq Maloney, like I mentioned. But I don't feel confident about a lot of people. Like, unbelievably, uh, Adrian Wildshoot ran 13.09 for 5,000 meters. I'm not – will he even be top three? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Probably, but we can't, I mean, we can't lock that down. And I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at is the performances that we've seen have just made us recalibrate like what it means to be an All-American favorite or a title favorite. I, I mean, I remember us talking early in this year when like Kieran Lum or Brian Fay running 355 or um, 356 in the mile. And we're like, man, I mean, they, they got to probably be considered All-American favorites in the mile or 3K or whatever they decide to run. And now you, you look at them on the list and you're like, okay, well, I mean, they're not in the top eight on the performance list right now. And, and it's not even like, and there's a bunch of other 355s and 356s around them. And, and so I, I think that some of the priors that we may have set early in the year just are blown up completely. Well, not even that, but like, some like there's some guys and, and gals who haven't even run certain events yet that I'm still waiting for them to actually contest. Like for instance, the 3000 meters hasn't seen Nico Young contest the event and hasn't seen Kieran Lum contest the event. Those two guys 
could be top three favorites, mm-hmm. depending on who's running and who's doubling and, and whatnot and all that jazz. But like this, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's so fast. I don't. I, I don't. I, I can't. I can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend it. Yeah. So that it, it's it's wildly difficult. Things could still change in the next two weeks. Um, I don't know where Lum or where Young would get that three K time. I imagine Young could just do it on an altitude converted track. But yeah. We'll see. I don't but know. it's not. It's not as simple as like just like pure fitnessing your way through a race, like and time trialing it. Like when you have to run like sub seven forty seven. Like you can't, you, you got to be at pretty much your best to be able to qualify. I I will say that I do think young, if anyone was capable Maybe, of yeah. time trialing and an altitude converted sub 47, 47, I think young could do it. Like I, like, like we were talking before the podcast, Jack Urian is the unluckiest man on planet earth. The guy runs 337 after the NCAA season is over. It qualifies for the Olympic trials, right? Like, so great talent, like phenomenal talent, but doesn't really get his moment in the spotlight or any recognition that he deserves. Then validates his talent with a 747 uh, 3K time. And guess what? Assuming that no one in that 3K field scratches, he's not going to the national meet, at least not individually. He could go in the DMR. But the guy... <laughs> I, I'm just at a loss for words. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. So yeah, it's nuts. And I, I feel like we've been we've been saying that over and over again, and every week that we've done this podcast. And it'll be interesting to see when we finally like just get used to it. Like, yeah, I won't. I won't. But <laughs> it's, it's all right. All right. Well, why don't we start with the 800? Um, we saw 14 of the top. 16 times in the country for on the men's side run this past weekend just completely overhauling the ncaa qualifying list um and we'll start with um is it moad moad sahafi uh, sure let's go with that <laughs> running a converted 145.99 his time was 146 low unconverted to put him at the ncaa lead ncaa lead we saw a host of 147s. Jonathan Jones ran a 146. Um, we saw a lot of uh, some Oregon guys run like Peralta um, run 147. Out of this group that ran this weekend, I mean, we we've kind of seen Brandon Miller as the presumptive favorite. Right. We haven't seen him run anything incredibly fast in the 800 yet. Out out of this group, who do you, do you think Zahafi is probably the his best challenger at this point? I mean, I don't I don't know. I just don't, I really don't know. I I mean, like I think in terms of like raw fitness, sure, like him and Jonathan Jones and Jonathan Jones, and we'll maybe touch on this later. He ran one forty eight as a seventeen year old. His first collegiate eight hundred meter ever was this past weekend. Don't know why they never ran him in the 800 until now. Makes zero sense. He's great in the 400, but nonetheless, I digress. I, I, I guess, like, yeah, Zahafi, by pure raw fitness, is the only guy that's going to match 
Miller, but we've seen instances like this before where, you know, Takia Den Hideli, right? You know, mm-hmm. guys like him have just gone out and have had raw fitness, extreme sub 146 times or converted 146s, sub 146s, excuse me. You know, and they've run really fast, but they don't really necessarily have the edge or the tactical acumen to then replicate that time in a race that's maybe different in terms of pacing, in terms of surges, in terms of who's racing at the front when, you know, it's not a clear path to lane one. So I, I don't know. I, I just think we've seen this before, like where we've seen international guys come in and they have some of the best raw talent in the NCAA, but there still isn't that understanding of how NCAA tactics work. And I wonder if that's the case. I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm looking down the list here. Outside of maybe John Rivera, I think the next best option to take down Miller is Kieran Taylor. Ooh, I disagree. I, I don't, but here's the thing. I don't like saying that because everything that we've seen in the past from Taylor is that he's a fine 800 meter runner. He's a solid, great tactically, can like somehow sneak his way into back end races. Shockingly got like an eighth place or so, you know, back end all American finish at one point, right? Mm-hmm. He's been fine, but he hasn't really ever been in the mix. And now he actually has a time that's under 148. Like he had run under 150, I think like 17 different times in his career. Never ran under 148 until now. And I just think that's like, okay, if if this race becomes tactical in any sense of the word, at least Taylor has enough fitness to potentially potentially challenge Miller, but even then I don't I don't even feel confident about that. And I think that's like my best pick from that standpoint in terms of like what I actually know. My, my pick is Peralta uh, beating the field that he did at Windy City. I, I think that showed me a lot. We've seen him run fast times before, but beating all the guys. I mean, he beat Miles Brown, uh, Hassan from Wisconsin, Cole Johnson, uh, Cook, all r- who ran 147. It was a tight race. He beat Cooper Tier, obviously coming back. The next day after his mile, I just think that that win is like the probably one of the most impressive 800 wins that we've seen all year. And he has the experience; he's run at NCAA's before. I and and I think that gives him the edge over Taylor, it just because he has that experience and he probably has maybe the best win in the 800 so far this year. Peralta has been to two NCAA championships. In his still young career, 13th last winter, 19th last spring, was unable to get out of the prelims in either event. Uh, last spring, he also was at the, uh, oh gosh, where was it? Which are the, the Hayward premiere, where despite running a fast time of 147, he got caught and tracked down. And despite being what I think should have been the overwhelming favorite, not the overwhelming favorite, I take that back, probably the festival guy was there. But could he, be, he got beaten by Cole Hawker. He was beat by Festus Legat. I don't know if there's a – like that. that's a really nice win for him, and I agree that it's encouraging. But he, he still has to learn, I think – I still have to see him on the national stage. Like, like the guys well, he beat it, were really good. Mm-hmm. They were. They were really good. But they're not, they're not at the same level that Festus Legat is on or that some of the guys that he was facing at the national championships were on. I mean, debatably, I mean, no, some people I, might say, oh, that's wrong. And I, I would agree with that. I just think if you look at the field that he beat, 
that's that's a like national semifinal field. Like it's that, the most like, impressive it, race of his career. And so for him to come out of that, it was super like, I mean, you look at the finishing times, it was one person after another, after another, after another. And so for him to be able to emerge out of that, I think that shows that he's taken a big step forward because like, like you, I think we were, we were, I was really high on him last year going into NCAAs and he just obviously didn't put together the performances. But I think that this, this performance in particular shows that he's taken a step forward and how he's able to navigate through fields. And I, I think that along with his maybe poor experiences before shows that he's learned and, and is moving forward and ready for NCAAs this year. Yeah, and, and I'll meet you in the middle. I think it depends on what you value for the NCAA championships in the 800 meters. Do you value experience, tactics, and proven ability to get, uh, to get out of the prelims? Or do you value raw fitness that you know is there? Um, and while this is a really nice step in the right direction for Peralta, and I really like it. I even said, like in our article, I even said, like, this is a really encouraging result. He hasn't done well in close tactical races that are, you know, heavily top he- like top heavy like this field. It's encouraging. But I think it's I think it just depends on what you're looking for. Um Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah, um, I mean it's so a good result. Other other 147s that we saw this weekend, Adam Thornton. Uh, Iman Zahafi, uh, Leroy Russell, Tiernan, uh, Tiernan Corker, and Sam Austin all running 147. These guys, along with the other guys that we've mentioned, who raised their stock the most this past weekend in your mind? Great question. Um, I I don't have the list up right now as I'm looking at it. Do you have a, do you have a name in mind? I mean, I think Zahafi is probably the easiest answer because he just went straight up to the to the front um i i really liked um what we saw out of tiernan corker um i think that was a really big performance from him um someone um the junior from ole miss really putting together a a solid performance um and and just establishing himself as an elite 800 meter runner and getting the win at the music city challenge i i think against a pretty strong field uh beating teammate baylor franklin Akeen Colley, um, some big names in this um, in this race, and, and to come out victorious, I really think establishes him at a higher level than than I saw him ever ever before this weekend. So, and I think you're talking about turning Corcoran, right? Cor- Corcoran, uh, yeah. Corcoran? Sorry, I was looking yeah, at the wrong. <laughs> or Cor- Corcoran, yeah, Corcoran. It's, Cor- it's yeah. a tough name. Yeah, it's a tough name. Anyways, um, improved his stock the most. I so like this actually. It depends on how you want to look at it. I don't know if he improved his stock the most. And I like I like Tiernan as well. I think he's a great name. Um, I'm going to go with Zahafi, but not Moad Zahafi. I'm thinking maybe Amon Zahafi. And when I yeah. say that, it's because he got third, or third, right, at that Tiger Paw invite, which wasn't – that's not a great sign when you finish third in an 800-meter race that's supposed to be your specialty – against guys that are not really that as proven as you in the 800 meters. That said, it's his second 147 result of the season. He's the only guy to run under 148 twice this season. And for me, validating the fact that his 147 wasn't a fluke and that he already has a big-time win over a big-time field, now I have the evidence that he's actually consistent and he can actually run that time consistently even if he's chasing so 
maybe while the loss wasn't great, the consistency was encouraging. Yeah, and that's a that's a good point. And, and I was looking uh, because I, I was I was wondering if Corcoran was the one of the uh, international recruits that had just br- been brought in from Ole Miss, and he is. Yeah. And he's. I mean, he he has these great performances that he's done uh, overseas, running one forty six um, before he's run one forty seven a lot of times. Um, and, and so obviously he has this pedigree. But I I think to go back to what I said earlier winning this race, not just running the time that he did, I think really establishes him in the NCAA picture. And I mean, honestly, after seeing his pedigree, I think you can put him up there with the other guys that we were talking about earlier in terms of possible favorites. I, I mean, obviously he's fresh in the NCAA system, but he clearly has the raw fitness to be able to compete at that level. Yeah, I have a little bit of concern about the NCAA experience, but other than that, I echo your statements. So, All right, do you want to head on to the women's side? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so women's side, a little less crazy than the men, but we still saw 11 out of the top 16 times run this past weekend. Uh, we already mentioned Shafiqua Maloney's 201 mark, um, putting her at NCAA number one. We saw a host of 204s right behind her in that same race, Ruby Stauber, Mallory King, Michaela Rose. Um, We also saw a few 202s this weekend from Allison Johnson, Sarah Hendrick. Um, In that race, we also saw Katie Ann McDonald run 203. Um, Gosh, there were so many great performances this weekend. McKenna Keegan also stands out as running 203 and beating Claire Seymour. I mean, we kind of talked about it at the top. Maloney's probably the favorite, but I, I mean, looking at the rest of the women that ran this weekend, I, it's hard to say that she's definitively the favorite because I could see like three or four or maybe five of these women who ran this weekend taking home the title. Yeah, I don't feel like I think I do like Maloney as the favorite right now. Um, at the same time, it's, you know, <laughs> Any any of these women really could win, though. I mean, there's so many. Um, shout out to Allison Johnson. I mean, remember when we, it was a podcast or two ago, and you know where I'm going with this, and we said, Allison Johnson has no fear. She does not care what your past experience uh, was. And I think that's like what I said verbatim. Um, mm-hmm. And you even mentioned that. Sure enough, she goes to Music City Challenge. She takes down the field of Sarah Hendrick, who also ran 202. She took down Katie A. McDonald, who ran 203, and Victoria Tachinsky, her teammate, who also ran 203. That's really impressive. Like, that's really, really impressive. Also, Penn State, what a day. 202, 203, yeah. 204. Like, Penn State, I, I even said, like, a few, like a year or two ago, like, hey, what's Penn State going to do when Danae Rivers leaves? Like, are they still, like, 800U? <laughs> Guess what? They're still 800U. So. Um, I like Allison Johnson. The inexperienced thing does bother me a yeah. little bit for the NCAA stage. But man, like if in a year that's so wide open, and in a year where she's un- no, she clearly is not afraid of her competition. I I like Johnson a lot, and I don't say that about youngsters a lot. Yeah, and I think Sarah Hendrick really. I, I mean, she's kind of maybe the opposite of Allison Johnson in terms of experience. She runs the good time, just narrowly gets edged by Johnson on another day. Maybe she takes home the win at the Music City Challenge. 
Um, and, and I think you just got to keep an eye on her because like, like Maloney, good experience at the NCAA meet. She has run fast times before and, and she just keeps turning out consistently great performances week over week. And I, I don't really think there's a whole lot more you could ask for her coming into this weekend. Yeah, John, I'm I'm still like Johnson is very much going to be an All-American. Mm-hmm. Now it's a matter of what does she have? Like, Can she find the differentiating factor that allows her to get gold? Uh, I'm not saying that she can't get there. I, it's just a matter of when does she find it? Does she find it now? Does she find it in the spring? When does that happen? Um, and I, I, she is one of the best raw talents in the NCAA. Um, but we'll see. I, I don't know. Another name I wanted to, to highlight was McKenna Keegan, and I think she's someone who absolutely has a, has a shot at the title. Uh, running 203, not the fastest time of the weekend, although that put her at NCAA number five. She takes down Claire Seymour, someone that we both really like and think very highly of and is another All-American contender. I, I just really like what we've seen out of Keegan over the last few years. She's steadily improved, has been a presence at the national scene the uh, last few years and slowly moving her way up. And it seems like she's ready to take that final step. Yeah, she's she's really good. I, I think she's experienced, um, understands tactics, knows how to win. I mean, a big that's a big win mm-hmm. over Claire Seymour. A, a motivated Claire Seymour who knew she was on the fringe, who knew she needed to run something quick and be competitive. I mean, that's that's a big big win and uh, now you know last year was kind of i don't want to say keegan's breakout year but it was certainly the best year of her career and now i think we're reaching a point where it's like is this season going to be even better for her and if it is then maybe the idea of oh i I think the question changes with her from being oh can she be an all-american to oh can she win the national title and i think that's probably where we're at right now yeah yeah i i completely agree um some other quick times that we saw uh presley weems running 204 we saw andrea foster brooke jaworski and kayla johnson all running 204 in the same race i'll ask you the same question as i did on the men's side who improved their stock the most and and this is a tougher one because I, i feel like a lot of these women have run really good times throughout this year already yeah i don't can I can I say none? I and I think that's I I think you can. I think that's completely I, fair. I I don't know if I because I think Weems, like she ran well, but she was seventh yeah. in that field and just fine. Andrea Foster has been like great in these late season meets and at the ACC championships, but then I never really she's never really a factor on the national stage, or at least hasn't been in, in a few past experiences recently. And then when I take a look at Brooke Jaworski, I think she's just really inexperienced and kind of like Valerie Tobias, her teammate. You know, this was also like a big jump. And I I just, you know, like she, like these athletes, like Jaworski kept pace with the NCAA getting better, but didn't like overall from where she was a week ago, didn't really improve her stock. Do you know what I mean? And that's not a, that's not a dig at her. She improved just relative to the NCAA. She really didn't go up or down. I'm wondering if the answer to this question is just Ruby Stauber, just because she put together another good performance, like just having that consistency, like that we haven't seen out of her for a long time. 
putting together another solid 800, I, I almost I, I feel a little bit more comfort comfortable with her being an, an all American pick after seeing her do this again. Yeah, but I mean, she won't qualify, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it, she she might be. Hold on, it's like fifteen. She's 16, right on the edge. Because because Geising, yeah, I mean, I I think she's like second person out. Yeah, at this rate, she could get. I mean, she has she has the SEC championships. She has a really good shot because she'll face Arkansas. She'll face LSU. Yeah, she'll face um, a couple of the names that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Auburn uh, with Reams, but yeah, yeah, I. She's close, and I, I like. I would say I would say Stauber, but um, unbelievably, she improved her stock the most, but it's not going to qualify that's, right now. Yeah, yeah. That's I wow. mean that's where we're at <laughs> with all this. It's nuts. Um, let's go to the mile where we didn't see quite as much action um, in terms of uh, how many people got displaced out of the top sixteen. We only saw seven new names this weekend compared to the double digits that we saw in the 800 but boy did we see some fast times morgan beaglescom the performance of the weekend are i mean i know we saw records broken but like um relative to expectations yes the performance of the weekend 352 and like ready to go past cole hawker on the last lap yeah so that that. was what when i saw him do that i was just like oh man he, he like he believes in him. he is really confident to be trying to go around an Olympian right now in what is not really his event like the mile we haven't seen Beatles as Beatles comes obviously his event um, that was incredible we also saw Mario Garcia Romo lead a host of names under 356 he ended up running 353 um, where do you want to start here I mean obviously. We, we see Nagoose as the favorite, but my gosh, it, it just is incredible how deep this mile field is. I like what am I like, what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do? I think if I'm Beatles comb, you don't run the mile. I don't agree. run the mile. Um, I can't believe I'm saying that about a 352 guy. I don't run the mile though. Cause here's the thing. If you run the three K, then you know, you have, enough raw fitness to contend with the top portion of the field. You just do. Everyone is so is fit enough to do it at that point. But he also has the speed and the turnover and the 148, 800-meter speed and the 352-mile speed. I mean, if Nagoose is your biggest worry in that 3K, then let him run the DMR. Let him run the mile. Let him be tired and then be the guy that goes all in on the 3K. I think if you're Beatlescomb, you scratch the mile. And I cannot believe I'm saying that. Does he run the 5K? Well, he's not qualified right now, is he? Well, right. But, I mean, if he if he ends up, like you're saying, scratching the mile, mm. obviously mm-hmm. he's fit mm-hmm. enough to qualify in the 5K. He's fit enough to qualify, which even still at sub-1330 qualifying right now, that's bizarre. Um, <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think at that, well... I don't know because it depends on how you how think that five k. Yeah. How fresh? How fresh do you want to be? And also, how do you think that five k race is going to play out? If it's a slow five k, and by slow I mean like thirteen high thirteen twenties, <laughs> then which is a crazy statement to make. 
But if you if you if it's like high thirteen twenties, low thirteen thirties, then like yeah, maybe. It. But I I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Yeah, I I I don't either. But I I agree. I think if you're looking for the event that he has the best chance at winning a title at you go with a 3k and the mile just with Nagusa's presence alone is prohibitive in terms of choosing that event and yeah. so i i think you just avoid him and run any other event that Nagus will not be fresh in um as far as garcia romo though he's another one that he ran 747 in the 3k he's not qualified uh, for NCAAs right now in the 3K, which might be his best event. But this 353 certainly makes you think that he would be one of the top three contenders in the mile. I mean, I think he's going to go after the 3K again at the SEC Championships, right? Yeah. Or do you think at this point, they're just like, you know what, just score us points in whatever events you can get us. I think well, that's the case. And, that, and that'll be interesting to see what how schools approach conference weekend with the times being as fast as they are to qualify, will some schools just be like, it's just not going to happen probably this weekend for us and a lot of these longer events. Let's just try to slow it down, score some points. Or will some some schools be like, all right, we're going for it. We we got to get, we got to improve our 747 because our 747 guy isn't making NCAAs right now. We need to set up this 3K to be fast. I don't know. I think we're going to see some differing approaches and in, in depending on the conference, depending on the school. I just think like, if you haven't run the time now, I don't know if you're going to get it in a tactical yeah. championship race. I just, I just don't maybe DMRs. Sure. But I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't feel confident about that. So we will, we will see. I can't believe we're saying that about a 353 guy. I mean, outside of him, I mean, there was what Kip saying, Pretty on par with the 354. Yeah. I think super expected. Jonathan Davis, so great to see him back. Love seeing that. He's going to be at the national meet. Unbelievable that I don't know if a 354 miler like him is going to be in the All-American conversation. He might. And he's in the conversation. Whether or not he's actually going to be an All-American, I don't know. Dorn Camp, love it. Momentum, huge. Super underrated. Apparently a guy that was like injured all throughout high school, didn't run that much. And I have someone close to... Uh, in my circle, it was like, yeah, that guy, he's going to be a star in the NCAA. It's not uh, like if, it's just a matter of when. And they were so spot on. Um, so shout out to them. And then everyone else, um, yeah, like if like you ran under 355, congrats. But uh looks like everyone else and their mom did that as well. So um, <laughs> like it's just, which is the wildest. I, I'm sorry. I know I keep saying that. It's just, It's so crazy. It's insane. Sam Ellis ran an Ivy League record of 356 is not going to make NCAAs, probably. If you didn't know that stat, we wouldn't have mentioned it. We like, wouldn't have mentioned his 356. Like, that's yeah. unbelievable. And, and um, I mean, talking about maybe one guy who improved their stock a lot of the, a lot this weekend, and, and we talked about him last week, I think. Nick Dahl running, improving from, I think, his 357 to his 355 really really like that performance when i saw his name when i was scrolling through results and saw 355 i was like i am thrilled to see that because i i really felt like he broke out in a big way last week and i remember us talking at the at the podcast last weekend there's two ways you can go where after a big performance like that you can keep going and that's just a sign of things to come 
or that's just like you you hit everything perfectly and that's as good as it's going to get to see him continue to progress and run 355 was an awesome awesome result and despite being so fast that prior 357 seed time and then progressing like making a significant jump relative to how fast he already was like when you're that fast you make you know a second and a half jump whatever it was it's huge i mean that's that is a massive massive jump the problem is that it barely outpaced the rest of the ncaa <laughs> barely outpaced him like he didn't move up the national leaderboard that much i think he was what fifth in that race was he fifth yeah fourth fifth no. Oh, guess what? No, I was wrong. Six. He was six in that race, by the way. He didn't even make the top five. <laughs> um, James Young also I mean, ran well. Th- yeah. He's 13th on the, the, yeah, on the list right now. James Young, like you mentioned, is ninth. I mean, it, you just see how like condensed it is right now. Like we, we have from the seven NCAA number seven time to NCAA number 15 are all 355s right now. And that's just like, I mean, we keep saying it, but it's it is an absolutely crazy world that we're living in. Um, we saw Alex Meyer, Luke Hauser, Antonio Lopez Segura, Davis Bove, Sean Dolan all run three fifty six, and they're they're going to be on the outside looking in more than likely. Um, even after scratches, it, it's hard to see like a, anything slower than a three fifty six slow making it at this point. This is so crazy. I'm looking at these times like Sean Dolan, he better hope for scratches. Yeah. Like, I guess like he better hope Beatles come scratches, which is not a given. He better hope Mario Garcia Roma. Well, Mario Garcia Roma is probably not going to scratch. Um, Nico y'all will probably scratch. Yeah. Yard. Neg- I don't probably not like, and I, I'm looking through this and I'm looking through all these names. The only other name who would realistic. Uh, I, I don't know. Nur. It would probably it'd be Abdi Nur. And that that puts in Dolan as the last man in, and I mean, is Dolan safe? <laughs> like with two weeks no. left, and no. he's not. I mean, That's we could conceivably see three fifty five be the 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 last time in. Like, it's not it's not out of the the picture. And, well, I, and like, I, I remember us talking before the podcast last week, and we were setting we were setting the lines, and I was like, I I think it's like three fifty six seven, and you're like, That's crazy. Like there's there's no way like it, it's gonna be like that's gonna be the line, we could go a second faster than that almost. It, it's it's absolutely wild. I remember we were we were like on the podcast we were talking about Owen Hacker, and we were yeah. like, oh, like he may not make it with this three fifty six. We're like, ha, that would never happen. <laughs> Guess what? He would He's not gonna make it with a three fifty six. We went from Owen Hacker being one of the most dynamic and best distance mm-hmm. runners in the NCAA to now he's just another guy. Like that—that's wild. That's so insane. And Olin Hacker didn't do anything wrong. Like Olin Hacker's having the best he, season of his life. Yeah, he only is pring every single time he goes out on the track. Like, uh, it, people should see my face right now. I'm so <laughs> blown away right now. Okay, let's move on to the women. We're gonna be here forever. All right. So the women's mile was probably maybe the craziest, uh, like r- event of the weekend. 14 out of the 16 top times in the country came this weekend. 14, which means the whole leaderboard just got shuffled, basically. A lot of the same names um, stayed on pace. Emily McKay, 
running 430, just continuing her just incredible, incredible season. Uh, Julia Haymock running a really strong 431. Um, Katie Cameron, is it Camarena? Camarena? Camarena, 432. Along with Anna Gibson and Lauren Gregory, she she took the win in that field, beating those names. Courtney Wayman <laughs> running four thirty three and and finishing what fifth in that field? I think so. Yeah. Olivia Howell running four thirty three, beating Ellie Leathers four thirty four at Music City, and then uh, a performance that we have to uh, mention, even though we don't talk about D two and D three all the time. Bernice uh, Clayette Merle. Of, Morel, yeah. from from uh indianapolis shattering the d2 record running 431 which would have been what the second or third fastest time in the in the country on d1 side as well uh like, i think the third yeah third it, absolutely incredible performance from her it go again goes to show that the gap between d1 d2 is shrinking i mean we saw obviously colorado um school of mines was it just running a ton of really fast 5ks as well um but my gosh this women's mile field i felt like it had lags behind the men's up until this point and then this week when they're like oh no we're 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 caught all the way back up i mean we didn't even mention like emily mckay ran 430 julia haymack ran 431 like those are the top two times the ncaa right now by the way wayman she wasn't top five she was actually six in that race with her 433 by the way um madison hashman was ahead of her at 433 olivia howell by the way huge win over yep. Ellie Leather, a revenge win, 433 to 434. Happy for Leather because she stays in the, uh, in the qualifying conversation. Uh, Rachel McArthur and Madison Borman, the Colorado duel, 434s. Mia Barnett, 435. Those are that, that's the top 16. Ali Shadler, 17 right now, 435. I I mean, who who's your title favorite in this event? I mean, are you still with McKay? Do you have do you have an idea? I think it has to be McKay because every week she's like the, the the field is like coming closer and then she's like no okay i'll pull i'll pull pull a little bit further away and i i think she had the be- best win of this weekend too um beating haymock i with that with 431 i think i mean you could maybe you could probably argue camarena uh camarena but i think that the 430 plus beating haymock m- might you can argue is a little bit stronger um, but yeah, it's anybody's game right now. I, I don't think, I think McKay's probably the favorite, but if you had to give me like a percentage, if I had to give a percentage odds that she's going to win, it's probably under 30% at this point. Like, I think if you just got to give everybody like five to 10% chance of winning at this point. I think Cameron's win was the most impressive. Um, I, I just, because I, I think in Boston, and when you get into that kind of field, right? Like at that point, it's just, it's not necessarily about place. And, and not that this past weekend was either, but like McKay was six in her race. You know what I mean? And yeah. Haymack was, was eighth. It, it's not, it, it wasn't as, it, it was truly about just raw run purely on fitness. Like if you look at Camarena's race, she really positioned herself in that last lap pretty well. Um, and she made moves, responded well, kicked down, ran fast. I, I, I think it's just a really good win for her. It was over the collegiates who were previously title favorites and elsewhere. Like Wayman was the mile favorite on paper with her 430 PR. I, I think Camarena is, I, I mean, I, I don't, 
I think she's a top five distance runner in the NCAA right now. Ooh. And I, I guess like, I, I don't know, like who's ahead of her? Who? I, mean, I don't know. Wayman, like Wayman, Maloney. Lagat, maybe. I'm, I'm not ready for to say Chang Lagat. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say Lord Ryan. I'm not. Um, Yeah, we'll get to her, and we'll get to Um, her. But I I mean, is is I think she's a top five. I'm really struggling to argue with you. Like, I, I I, I mean, eight fifty seven. I mean, just this weekend alone, running eight fifty seven four thirty two. I, I mean, it's that that's tough to to argue with. So yeah, I'm just I'm just saying. Any other names of the mile here that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think to add on to Camarena's point of having a great race, she beat Lauren Gregory. Um, I thought this was a good performance from Gregory, 432. It'll be fascinating to see what she ends up deciding to do at, at NCAAs. Um, but she's she with her experience, I think she is a contender in whatever she decides to do. She clearly has the speed um, to be able to, to put herself in the, the picture. Uh, outside of that, though, I, I mean, there there really isn't anybody else that we haven't already touched on that that I, I feel like we really need to talk more about. Yeah, some of these you could predict that like, OK, with enough competition, they can maybe get a boost. And a Gibson's 432 was exceptional. Like it was a little mm-hmm. bit better than I was expecting. I do want to address the elephant in the room. I've said for probably over a year now. Do you know where I'm going with this? I think so. In in, in, in Indiana runner. Yes. Yes. You're right. (laughs) I've said for over a year now, it's amazing how Ben and I have this chemistry where I could just say over a year ago, I had this thought and he's like, do you mean Bailey Hernstein? I'm like, correct. (laughs) Which sounds sounds weird when you put it that way. But anyways, I mean, she, I've been saying forever that she's a 5k cross country runner and to stop running the mile. And maybe it's just like uh, if you swing often enough, you eventually get a hit. Maybe that's what happened here. 435, um, second place to Anita Konichek of Oregon, who ran 434. Yeah, fine. I mean, she ran the 430. I still think she's a better 5K runner, but the argument is now a little harder to balance with now that she ran 435. I mean, she might not make NCAAs with that time, though, which is, uh, the, she which might is not. the crazy part. Like, I, well, I mean, I think your point still is valid after even after that 435, because everybody else has improved so much that that a 435 isn't what it used to be. Well, I mean, you could realistically argue like scratches from McKay, Gregory, Wayman, Rowe, um, and Shadler, and that would give her pretty comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I don't think McKay is going to scratch. Do you? I mean, if she wants to go fresh for the 3K, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think she would scratch. I think there's an argument there. I, I would say if you had to flip a coin, or if you had to force me one way or the other, yeah, I'd say McKay would would actually run it. But like the the possibility is there. Like same thing with Camarena. If you had to ask me, what is she going to run? I'd say the mile in addition to yeah. the three k. But yeah, you know, like I, I don't think Gregory's running the, the mile. I think Gregory scratches. Yeah, it depends on what they do with the DMR too. I think. Um, I think that's which, a big incentive. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the 3K. Um, we saw eight men enter the top 16 after this weekend. Uh, Jared Nagus. I mean, what more is there to say about the guy? 738, basically running the, the last half of the race on his own, breaking probably one of the best NCAA records that we have. 
yeah, I mean, it depends. depends. Yeah, I don't I know mean, if it's the best. One, one, like, I mean, 18 years old. Like, I, I think the, the best NCAA record we have is probably the 3K steeple, men's 3K steeple. Yeah, that's not being touched. Yeah. No, like that, that's probably number one. But I mean, this is a record that just has stood the test of time. And for us only now to be getting to it and just barely in the, in our super shoe era is, is pretty incredible. Um, and I think it's a reflection of how difficult it is that Nagus had to be the one to take it down because he's just at a different level, I think, than almost any than anyone in the country right now. Yeah, and really, like, when the Pacers dropped, I mean, really, it's just him. Like, it's yeah. not like anyone followed him. Um, yeah, I yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what to say about this Nagus performance. Like, the guy had the 1,500 record outdoors. He has the 1,500-meter record outdoors. He's an Olympian. He's proven to be a great 3K runner before. Um, yeah, I, I, I like to say that, like, I'm surprised, like if you had told me the season, oh, does Nagoose get the 3k record? I would have said no, but am I surprised that of anyone to get the record? It's him. It was also in the no. cards. It, it was, was in, in the cards. cards. Yeah, it was in the cards. So I don't really have a whole lot to say about like Nagoose. I think like in terms of talking points, there's far less to talk about with Nagoose than there is everyone else. I think in terms of talking points, Abdi Nurse 740 and Eduardo Herrera 742 are are the two top performances uh, of the of the 3K um because Nur just continues to establish himself as I mean, top 5 runner in the country, probably. Right? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, like we were talking about with Camarina, but like I, I think Nur in every event that he's done has just been elite. And and for a guy that we thought was a 5K, 10K specialist, he has proven to be way more than that. Honestly, now that I kind of think about it, if if you're not a fan of Brandon Miller right now, I think Nur is top three. I think it'd be like, I think we're thinking New Goose, Beatlescombe, yeah. and then probably Nur. Yeah. Pro- probably Nur. And I think that's probably what it is. Yeah, that's, which is, I, again, didn't, pencil him in i will say this also 740 i predicted like a 741 743 range for him so yeah maybe it was a little on the quicker side but if anyone was going to run 740 it was going to be nur eduardo herrera let's talk about him yeah i i I mean he's been he's been right there like in terms of just like on the edge of just like throwing down a huge mark he's been a great cross-country runner He's been a strong runner on the track indoors and outdoors, but this, this just took things to the next level in my mind. Are you concerned about his postseason endeavors at all? A little. Yeah. Yeah. This helps, but it's, I mean, he's clearly at a different level of fitness and it helps that he ran really well at the cross country national championships this past fall. I think that, yeah, I think he was like 20th. I don't, I don't have that. Don't, don't pencil me in for that quote, but I, I I'm still a little concerned. I'm just, I'm just honest. I, I, well, he, I have some postseason per- concerns. He's performed well at NCAAs in the 1500 outdoors, right? Uh, am I, am I correct in, no. in, in that? No, okay. I don't think that's at all true. No, but I, I do, I do think that he just pure fitness wise, like we're, like we're saying, it has just. I mean, 742 is hard to argue with. 
Although in a year where we saw where we saw in that same race, guys like Duncan Hamilton, Colton Johnson run 740-45, Ryan Schaaf runs 746, Ben Veach in another race runs 745. There's a lot of guys who have that fitness. And so the margin of error is is real small in a race like the 3K. Ben, hand up. I was wrong. He did run the 1500 at the NCAA Championships, um, where he did make it to the finals, but did not finish as an All-American, finished 12th. Okay. So hand up, partially wrong on my end. Still didn't run super well. Yeah. I just think for a guy who has been to so many NCAA Championships and has proven to be so good for as long as he is, you know, we've seen this thing before where he's run really well. Remember during the winter cross country season when he dominated everyone? We're like, yo, watch out. Eduardo Herrera could be yeah. really good. And then he bombed it, unfortunately. And I think you would probably admit it was not a great race. And then the NCAA uh, outdoors, he runs 1324, takes down that entire contingent of BYU men in the 5K, the Hayward Premier Meet, and then doesn't even make it out of the West region. Yeah. And like, ah. I just. I, I really like this 742 is probably the best performance of his career. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. So. Yeah. And, and I think that's fair. Tough day, as you mentioned in your article for altitude conversion and flat track conversion haters, Duncan yeah. Hamilton, just being like, yeah, those, those conversions might actually be a little slow. I, I ran yeah. 745. <laughs> Uh, at sea level like i i'm i'm just that good um and, and i think really just proves what we were saying when he ran that converted time he he's pr- has a proven track record of great performances and great times it's not shocking to see him improve a little bit and, and throw down a, a mid 740 i'm so happy for ben veach 745 oh, yeah. big win over bienenfeld over jack yerian over um oh gosh who else like probably a few other names that i'm just missing off the top of my head but really good win like a win over bienenfeld is like that's legit and he's been so good in every race every single race that i've seen him in usually the big 10 meets he just makes life he may not always win them but he makes life so difficult for everyone he races he will take you to the line he will push the pace he will be aggressive he doesn't have like a speedy kick, but he has a very like stamina heavy kick. I don't know yeah. if people understand what I'm talking about here, but he's he kicks from a long way out. He kicks he from a long way out. He he very much can. He's been an All American before. I think if anyone has the intangibles to be great this season and like is underseated, I think it's going to be him. And I'm happy for. I mean, he's he's been very good for his entire IU career, and it's just but never really got to that point where he's like a clear all-american yeah. um and and this seems to be the year where he's putting together one one more point before we get out of the men's 3k all right what what's what's going on with wesley kip too like oh my gosh yeah 740 i i mean to to think that we're worried about a guy who's running 748 is pretty nuts but like it just there seems to be something off like i don't know if he's like not a particularly strong adapter to the the spikes or what but it, there seems to be something a little off with him this year uh, honestly i mean have we ever seen wesley kip to really thrive in any single race below 5000 meters 
We have yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. We just have it. And here's the crazy part. His 748, like 0.98, by the way, um, places him at NCAA number 28. By the way, his previous best 3K time was a 748. It's not like he's suddenly just slower. It's not like he's he like, just what? hasn't improved like everybody else. Like, and and when you're not improving like everybody else, it it's like you're not even standing still. You're moving backwards. Well, what's what's I think the important factor to consider here is that it's not the time. Like, you want to talk about the time? Sure, he's yeah, not going to qualify. Right. Whatever. He lost to Sam mm-hmm. Gilman, which I I don't know who that says more about. I think it says more about Gilman, but I I don't know. Like that's, I think the five k should be his priority. It is his priority, but yeah, three k is odd. I don't get it. Yeah. All right, women's three k. Um, not as many crazy performances, but the one that stick stuck out, and we mentioned it earlier, Lauren Ryan and her eight forty seven. Just kind of, I mean, Lauren Ryan is a good runner, but this this was one that I saw on Twitter, and I kind of did a quick double take at. I was like, am yeah. I looking at the right? person the right event like 847 like Mm -hmm. Wayman hasn't run 847 this year correct but but lauren ryan has and so i mean a huge performance for her it'll just be interesting to see how she builds on that like like i talked about with nick doll earlier is this just like the flash in a pan at perfect conditions perfect timing for her and she just runs a quick time or is this the start of something like new for her in terms of her career. Yeah, I I think on paper, everything on her resume suggested that she would be a great 3K runner. I think even going into this weekend, not just me, I think anyone who was familiar with the nuances of track and field could understand that the 3,000 meters was probably her sweet spot. But it, I didn't think it would be this big of a sweet spot. I didn't yeah. think 847 would be in the cards for her. I could have seen in a super fast year like this, 852, 853, totally. But 847. And the problem with this is that, like you said, do we is this just a flash in the pan or is it the real deal? Is she going to be able to replicate this on the national stage? Um, I don't know. I just don't know. And I... I don't really think anyone knows. I'm sure Florida State and Laura Ryan believes that they can, you know, she can win. And she very well could. But this is so, it's so out of nowhere that I think we still have a lot of like, whoa, whoa, like, well, let's, let's actually see how this plays out first. So we'll see. I mean, it's two plus seconds faster than the NCAA number two time, which is Wayman with her 850. I mean, she, she beat the next collegiate in her race, Chen Legat by six seconds i i mean it, it's it's nuts i, I mean i i think chen Legat had a very strong race um yep. somebody somebody else that um we should talk about who who we mentioned in the mile um has to be lauren gregory's 853 really strong performance for for her you um, mean Mer- mercy chelan got sorry yeah mercy chelan got running 850 but uh, lauren gregory also running 853 um this weekend oh oh yes i'm sorry yes i'm sorry in a different race um uh, but running that i think was it maybe after the mile or maybe she ran that before but either way a great double from gregory and i mean you mentioned it earlier you think she's probably going to scratch the mile is is this this the event you think she's the best at yeah i think she is i think it shows last year right she takes wayman Mm -hmm. to the line nearly almost gets a national title um i think we've seen as of late the women's races 
become a little more tactical. Not all yeah. of them on the distance side are as aggressive as some of the men's. I mean, that's what happens when Wesley Kiptu is on the men's side, but like, it's just, you know, like I, I think a tactical race is kind of a little more suited to Gregory. It's still going to be a little quick and honest, but it's not going to be overwhelmingly fast. Um, or at least that's what we've recently seen. Yeah. I, I think she scratches. They go all in for the DMR. She comes back and gets, you know, a day where she only has to race once that day. And, and I, I think that seems yeah fair. I think so too. Um, Katie Camarena, like we mentioned, 857. Grace Featherstone huh? running 901. Allison Prey, 902. Ali, Ali Shadler, 903. Um, those times that are on the edge of qualifying at this point. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see what ends up being the mark there. Any other thoughts on the, the 3K? I think these are a lot of women that we just, thought pretty highly of coming into it and they they performed to to that expectation i can't believe i'm about to say this but katie cameron oh well also um check something real quick here i want to make sure i'm um yeah where's steely mccabe and where is caitlin tui does anyone know they've raced once this year it was at boston back in december it is now middle of february it's an excellent question and, and i mean with mccabe i mean that that her absence completely changes the picture like yeah. in terms of 3k 5k because after what she did in the in cross country i mean she, we we had her penciled in as a as one of the favorites and, and to lose someone like that would would really open the door up for for more contenders yeah i just i don't know where she is i don't know where her or Tui is and i think if you're bethany hosra allison prey you're like are they injured because if they're injured, then that's an extra you spot. Just, that, that's an extra spot, extra two spots. I, mean, yeah. I don't. It's just it's odd at this point in the season that they haven't run. That's a little concerning, right? I mean, I'm, I'm oh, th- yeah. am I not the only one thinking that? Okay. So no, I, sure. I hadn't thought of that. There's so many fast times being run. It's, it's yeah. hard to keep up with the people that aren't. Um, right. So you know that that's an interesting point. Are you ready to transition to the five k? Let's do it. All right, so in a normal world, the 5K like times stay pretty stable, especially after the Boston December meet. You'll see like maybe a few times, maybe five or six come in and out. This year, though, as we mentioned multiple times, is not a normal year. We saw nine new times enter that top 16, led by Adrian Vilechut. 1309 dylan jacobs 1314 in that same race we saw kai robinson take home the win elsewhere in 1321 and we just saw a lot of sub 1330 performances on a weekend where we don't normally see that many sub 1335 like performances just an absolutely crazy weekend i think dylan jacobs got the american uh collegiate Collegiate uh, 5k uh record which is uh, i mean if you had that on your bingo card, then good for you. <laughs> um, but I, I I think that he probably improved his stock the most out of anybody because this was certainly not a performance I expected from him. Robinson, similarly, getting the win against a strong field that included Brian Fay, Cole Sprout, Alex Meyer, Amon Kevoy, who all, by the way, ran under 13.26 and ran well. Under 13.27. Or 13.27, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, is there what what analysis do you do you even come to with this? What can you come 
like well, what can you pull from this right when Wildershut and I don't know if I'm saying that name right I always I always thought it was Wild Shoot and then someone recently Wild told Shoot. me yeah so someone told me like oh it's actually Wildershut and I was like really I don't <laughs> so, know I don't think so <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't I don't know we'll see I don't know I have no idea but he 1309 uh like if you had on your bingo card that he would be within a second of the collegiate 5k record from Lowie Lang. If you thought that Lowie Lang and Adrian Wildershut, wild shoot, whatever would be in the same sentence together when talking <laughs> about the collegiate 5k record, I would not have believed you. I just wouldn't have. Um, here's a fun fact after this weekend, Tyler day in 2019 ran an altitude and flat track converted 1331. He was ranked NCAA number one in that event and was considered a heavy favorite, one of the heavy favorites, to win the national title this year. That year, excuse me. Today, Tyler Day would be ranked 19th in the NCAA with that time. He would not make it to the NCAA championships, even if you think some guys are going to scratch. And when you look at this list, no one. The only are the only guys who would realistically scratch are Brian Fay and like and I don't know why Nur would scratch, but he could. And that's about it. Alex that's, Meyer, maybe? But I don't think Myers I don't think Myers in, in the qualifying picture right oh, now. Yeah, is he? in the in the three K, you're probably right. Well, he was running seven forty six, so he's probably close. Well, no no no, I'm not saying oh well yeah, so if you wanted to be fresh for the three K. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, and like in terms of the in terms of the mile, let's see where he's at right now. Oh, those that's the twenty twenty one times. All right, so never mind. I'm not looking at that. But yeah, like Tyler Day was a national title contender three years ago. Today he doesn't make nationals. That's, Unbelievable. That's nuts. And if you're George Cush, like who ran thirteen twenty eight in December, and it's suddenly like eighteenth. Like, in what world is that not good enough to qualify? And it, I mean, he's going to have to run another one to probably qualify. And I don't think he will. I think he'll try the mile or 3K at this point. Yeah. Because, I mean, he'll try to get a conversion. And I don't, honestly, with big skies typically being so slow because yeah. they just run on the worst tracks, I, I don't... Yeah, he's not getting it there. He's not getting I don't think George Kush is going to the national championships this year. In in a in a non DMR event, I, I don't know if he is, which is concerning. Like when he's not when he's not even like in the like in the position to qualify. That's that's like okay. So if like in terms of like actually breaking down these results, it seems safe to say. Like I, I would I want to say that at the national championships, oh well, an aggressive pace is going to favor this guy. And this guy, and this guy, and this guy, and I'm trying to figure out like what differentiates these guys from from each other, right? Like Kai Robinson beat that field, and that was huge. But Faye has greater mile speed in a tactical race. How does that work? Does Wesley Kip to like is he at 100? percent Like is he at the peak of his powers? Like does, is he more conservative with his with uh, his approach? Like we saw at Milrose Games, and does that backfire? Like how does how is Wildershut going to be able to? you know, bring that over. Is Dylan Jacobs going to be able to replicate that? And if so, like, eh, just, I I don't have this weekend you'd think would give you a better idea of who is in position 
for what spots at the national championships. I have more questions than ever before. So I, I think Vile should probably probably should be the favorite, a very loose favorite at this point. Um, but I really like Jacobs and Robinson, and, and and a lot of ways I like I, we were talking before the pod. I kind of equate those performances. I think if Robinson's at BU, he probably runs a similar time because he, I mean, he beat that field like mm-hmm. three yeah. seconds. Like he won. It was not close. Um, and clearly I think there's more in the tank for him there and, and to just be a very strong field at Washington, I I think is a really good sign. And, and frankly, I like him more than Kip too right now. Like I, I I think he, he needs to be seen as someone who's a bigger contender than Kip too. Um, as, as I do with Jacobs, um, Jacobs has run well in the mile as well. Um, and I mean, I guess this means Jacobs has to run the 5k. Like he's been a key part of that DMR. Yeah, I, I'm curious point. what that, the knock on effects of him running the 5k are in terms of what Notre Dame decides to do with the DMR. Yeah. Well, because it's like, and now I think what happens and what you're going to see now is after Methner and Carmody ran such great 5k's 1332 and 1327 respectively, I bet you what Sean Carlson realizes is let's find another 1200 leg and let's see what these guys can do in the mile. And the ACC championships, I bet you at least one of those guys runs a mile. Sees what they can yep. do. And honestly, that team is so deep. They've got so many options. Like I imagine, like they've got Bashir Masovalo, by the way. We forget about that. He's a 359 miler. Yeah. You know, and they've got Samuel Valles, 145, 800 guy. Tim Zepp is a 148 guy. Like, they've got pieces. If they need to, they've got pieces. Like, Bashir running the 12 seems like a match made in heaven, considering that he's run, yeah. like, 220, I think, in the 1,000 meters or 221. So, good work. That's a good point. I like that. Um, women's 5K? Let's do it. Emily Covert, 1535. Ruby Smee, 1536. Haley Herberg, 1539, all in the same race. And then Jenna Magnus running 1536. Um, not as many crazy performances on the women's side, but I mean, it's hard to argue that they're not as impactful. I, I mean, for for someone like Covert, I, I am thrilled to see her run that well um, and, and really put herself in the All-American discussion. Um, Jenna Magnus, I don't, I don't think this comes as any surprise to, to either of us. Um, strong performance from someone who's, who's run really well during the indoor season. I I don't know if there's a whole lot to, to take from any of this other than agree with good you. performances. I, I very much agree with you. I don't think there's a whole lot to take from here. The coverts, me and Herberg runs were a little quicker mm-hmm. than expected a little quicker, but they weren't totally out of the picture. Like those were the names that we expected to be near the top of the field. Like I think like in my predictions, I had three of those women in the top four or like Gavin had the same, right? Like something similar in our predictions. It It's not, those, you know, it was a little quicker, but it wasn't totally out of the question, especially knowing that this, this field was going to be naturally quicker given the rest of the NCAA. And Magnus was probably the most predictable performance yeah. If, you know, if, she, if if her goal is to go out there and run a fast 5K, 
this was pretty spot on. I don't really have a whole lot to say here. I don't think it changes a whole lot. No, no, I agree. I, I, I think we saw, uh, unlike a lot of other events, we saw the top of the the NCAA picture in this event stay pretty much the same. Um, a yeah. lot of those December 3rd, December 4th performances have held true. Um, and to wrap up this wild weekend, another two very predictable performances in the DMR, BYU women running 10.58, Oklahoma State women running 10.59, very solid performances qualify for NCAAs be exciting to see them race each other then only question I have here is what does Claire Seymour do is she going to be on that DMR does she double back no I don't think she is you don't think she doubles back for the DMR I don't think she does the DMR the BYU just has so many people uh so many good middle distance runners that like the difference between her and like Ellsworth or somebody is like going to be very negligible. Um, I mean, it, it, when it comes down to it, uh, Megan Hunter's run 205.0 so far this year. She's not going to make NCAAs unless she runs a better performance. Just put her in there. Yeah. And, and that actually, that you say that, you know, they have, um, oh gosh, who was it? Uh, Carmen Alder, the freshman. She ran 436 this past weekend. Like, you could find a way to incorporate her into the DMR there. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, probably. Yeah. So I think we just solved all the world's problems with Seymour <laughs> not being in there. In that DMR. I mean, people really should just come to us for this stuff. So we'll set your lineups yeah. for you, but it only takes the 74th minute of the podcast for us to get there. But oh my gosh. I there. didn't realize that. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> 74 minutes honestly i'm pretty proud of us like get getting under an hour and a half for all this so i i thought it was going to be an hour and a half i really did but shout out to everyone for listening shout out to you to hang tight with us this was so crazy i (laughs) when we couldn't get through the first question in under 10 minutes i knew we were in trouble um but other than that thanks for listening shout out to everyone in the ncaa you guys are incredible you guys and gals are awesome so uh, five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment, uh, a nice one, please, on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, ben, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? If this podcast was half as good as this past weekend, we we deserve the five stars. So like, like Garrett said, <laughs> but get, give it to us on Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts. Um, but no, Garrett, I'm, I'm excited for next weekend. Maybe we'll see some fast DMRs um and talk about that any anything you wanted to plug on the site real quick uh we've got some great content john kusick d2 elite if you're into a d2 content you really yeah. want there that was some great content one I, I even told john i was like that's some of your better analysis man that was that was really good i i, I gave him some questions to answer and, and he delivered with some great uh like great insights and great content and really kind of pushed us to think a little closer about things so if you're a d2 person um, and I imagine after, even if you're not a deep two person, there was a lot of great stuff there. There was Clay at Morrell and there was Colorado Mines shattering records all over the place as well. Some great DMR. So go check that out. Um, I know we have D3 content on the way. That should be in, if you're listening to this today on Tuesday, and that means that's coming out on Tuesday as well. Um, and then we've got some other pieces that we're just going to get creative with. We're going to find something out. You know, we've got some stuff in the works, but uh, yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I- I'm-, I'm excited about what's to come. And then uh, we are inching closer and closer to the NCAA championships. So get those predictions ready. Big dance, big dance. So no, other than that, that's all I've got. And uh, Ben, nice job today, man. All right.
right. Appreciate it. Well, until next week, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.